0: Hey everybody, it's Mark Hertzley, former New York Giants linebacker. And I was just listening to the brand new podcast, D-Blitz. Got me going during my workout. Take care.
1: Welcome back to another episode of D-Blitz. This is episode number 26, or I guess you can uh, sadly say it's the Saquon Barkley episode. This is also episode number 5 of the banter because we are going to be talking about just more than football this time around. And once again, just like last week's episode, we are doing this live on Spotify Greenroom, so we might have a few fr- friends and listeners join us as these uh, topics get going. But as always, my name is Anthony DeBona. You can follow me on Twitter at Baie Debona. You can also follow the show on Twitter at The Blitz Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you can rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff on whatever platform you're using. And uh, as always, I'm joined by my brother, John DeBona. You can follow him on Twitter at Jorge Blanco. And uh, we're going to start off with some football news because we actually did have some football news go down this week. And the biggest probably doesn't involve anything on the field. Well, it definitely doesn't involve anything on the field because Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib on Monday earlier this week came out as the, I guess you could say, first active gay player in the NFL because he can't be cut. He's got a hefty contract. So this isn't a, a Michael Sam situation where he's a bad player and wasn't going to make the team anyway. Carl Nassib is a legitimately good player. And if the Raiders were to cut him right now, I think they'd owe him like $15 million. So uh, I'm proud that he came out he uh, did it to it with a good cause He donated i think a hundred thousand to the, I think it's the Trevor project that kind of um, helps the the gay community with the, the whole suicide issue that they have so he donated to a good good cause he um, did it on social media on Instagram so he's i mean he got a a ton of praise from from everybody across the NFL. He now has the top selling jersey so uh, that's interesting because if I would have told you. However long ago that the top two song jerseys would be Carl Nassib and Tim Tebow. <clears throat> you probably think I was crazy, but uh what are your thoughts on it, John?
2: Yeah, I mean it's a it's great that he came out. I think it's long overdue for really all sports leagues to have at least one openly gay player, because the odds dictate that there's more than one in each league. I know a few years ago there was a story that came out with uh I'm blanking on his name right now, but the guy from the Vikings who had said that, uh, I think this was in 2013, that there were at least four um, gay players that he knew of in the NFL, and they were debating on potentially all four coming out at the same time to sort of like lessen the impact on any one guy. Um, That obviously never happened. We did have the Michael Sam thing, and there was a little debate for a little while on why he never made a roster. I was just reading a headline that said 90% of the players with his preseason stats, which were 11 tackles and three stacks, um, make an NFL roster. So that was a little surprising. But I also understand that at the time, a lot of teams didn't want to deal with just answering the questions and everything else for right or for wrong. Um, What I learned that I didn't know was that apparently there had been 16 uh, gay or bi NFL players in league history that were known to be gay or bi at some point. Um, but none of them were active when they came out. Sam was the only one who was active when he, I mean, who was out when he, um, played or prior to making the league. Um, there were a couple other guys who may have been out during the preseason. I don't know. I saw, um, a tight end from the Eagles, Colton, something or other, a few years ago. Um, I'm blanking on his last name right now. I got nothing for you that out either. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, well, I figured you know every Eagles player ever, whether they're preseason or regular season or just a single <laughs>
1: snap. Apparently, not that guy. I pride myself on knowing everybody, but not
2: that Okay. Guy. Well, I want to say it was Colton. Maybe I'm getting the name wrong, but I'm almost positive he was a tight end. But apparently, he was, I think, bisexual. Um, but of the 16 gay or bi NFL players, like I said, none had ever been open and played in a regular season game. Only 10 had made it to a regular season game. Um,
1: Oh, I, like just I, said, I just look it up. One second, um, yeah. Colton Underwood, who was apparently a star on The Bachelor, came out publicly as gay, and apparently he played for the Chargers, Eagles, and Raiders. So okay, there you go. Like I said, I knew it was Colton something. I couldn't. I didn't write down the last name.
2: Um, but Dave Cope was the first ever, um, NFL player to come out as homosexual, and apparently he was the first ever um, major pro major pro team athlete in the U.S. to come out as homosexual. Um And he came out in 75, which was three years after the end of his career. But he had a nice long career. He played from 64 to 72 and was a running back. Um, Then I was reading it's a really interesting story, and apparently they made a documentary about it for NFL Network that I want to see at some point, that uh, Jerry Smith had a 12-year-long career from 65 to 77 playing tight end. And it seems like he basically went to his grave without ever publicly – coming out um he died of HIV uh died of AIDS rather but they wouldn't say how he got it and apparently it was only after his death that some players had confirmed that they knew that he was gay and uh Dave Cope, the guy who was the first person to ever come out said that he knew that Jerry was gay and that he and Jerry had actually uh hooked up in the past, basically, that. but Jerry was so terrified of anybody ever knowing that he was gay, so he never actually came out in life. Um, There was also some speculation that maybe that's why Jerry Smith didn't make the NFL Hall of Fame, although if you look at his stats, he only had two Pro Bowls and two All-Pros to his record, so that could definitely be a part of it, too. Um, Another thing that I didn't know is that Jerry Smith played under Vince Lombardi, and apparently Vince Lombardi had a gay brother which I only learned in, again, doing this research. And so Sh- Lombardi... Shout out to Vince big. Lombardi
1: from our home uh, of Sheepside Bay.
2: Yes, Vince Lombardi from our neighborhood. There's a monument to him in a little tiny, not even a park, just a little tiny island in the middle <laughs> of the street. But, uh, yeah, didn't know Vince Lombardi from Sheepside Bay until a few years ago. But apparently he had a gay brother, and I had never known that until today. So you really do learn something new every day. And they said he, you know, was wasn't tolerant of any homophobia or anything like that. And even still, Jerry Smith wouldn't come out to him. Apparently there was a couple of players who knew, but not many. But, um, yeah, it's just good that times have changed to where players now feel like they can be themselves because I also think to a degree it might make – not that I think he's going to all of a sudden skyrocket and have insane stats or anything. I think in a lot of ways you are who you are regardless. But I think bearing that mental burden could maybe prevent – some of his focus from being in football or even some of his energy. If he feels like he has to constantly put on a front of who he is, like I know there's the clip on hard knocks about him doing his financials and stuff. And at one point he says, and this is like where I feel like you could say like, Oh, the signs were there. He talks about wanting to impress Taylor Swift. And he says something about like, I was almost going to get a rolly bro, but you know, it's just, it's too much money or whatever. And it's like, all right, now we know that you, you might like Taylor Swift's music. You clearly don't like Taylor Swift. (laughs) Um, but wait,
1: I, I have a question. Yes. Who's the bigger Taylor Swift fan? Oh, you me. or Carl It's, it's 100% me.
2: <laughs> I'm the bigger Taylor Swift fan than uh, Carl Nelson, <laughs> by far. Um, he just has more money to get to the concerts. <laughs> um, yeah, we've never, I don't think we've talked about it on here, but her last two albums were all depressing breakup albums, basically, and I ate them up. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> so good. I just love I love oh being sad. God. I love feeling depressed and I love just feeding into that. Jesus. So me and Carl Nassib now are uh, two big NFL fans and uh, members of Taylor Swift's army. I don't know what their fans call themselves. Swifties. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I only really like her last two albums. I'm not a big fan of earlier Taylor Swift. All
0: right. But so I, I yeah, think it, that's it's,
2: it's, it's kind, of kind of there. So, but good for Carl Nassib and maybe now that he can sort of be himself uh, Maybe he will play a little bit better. Who knows? kind of,
1: not going to lie. I'm kind of blown away at the amount of uh, gay NFL research that you did. So uh, when they do that NFL Films episode, they might be giving you a call.
2: Listen, I did a lot. If you think this is bad, wait till we get to the NCAA. Although, (laughs) I I actually have more for the gay players, I think. Um, All right. No, I I was just going to add to that too. I was going to say that I think – I think overall being gay is obviously less taboo than it used to be. I think everybody knows a gay person. I do think there's obviously still gay people who don't feel comfortable coming out. And depending on where you live and how your family background is and all of that, it like it obviously, you know, differs from person to person and family to family. But because and I don't know how much we can sort of get into it. But like we have a family member who everybody in the family knows is gay anybody who's ever met this person knows they're gay but is still only out as far as I know to a handful of people of which me and Anthony are not included but we all know this person is gay and I don't I think a lot of that is that sort of archaic like well you can't admit it because being gay makes you weak or being gay makes you soft or being gay makes you you know a heathen or whatever the case may be and I think obviously we I think we've all moved past it but if you haven't, you're a moron and you need to. Um, I think the next hurdle is going to be if you start to have any NFL players who, you know, come out and identify as non-binary non or trans or anything like that. I think that's going to be the thing that we're not going to probably see for a very, very, very long time. Um, but I think some of that is that that's also just not as prevalent overall in society, just very heavily on Tinder from what I've seen. Um, <laughs> where... Everybody wants to identify as non-binary now. Um, Oh, my God. But, yeah, that's another conversation for another day. But, yeah, good for Carl Nassib. And I know a lot of people have commented, like, well, why does it matter? Who cares if he's gay? I don't have to announce that I'm straight. And it's like, again, you're an idiot. You don't have to announce that you're straight because that's what's assumed. Unless you say otherwise, the assumption societally is that you are straight, you are heterosexual. And representation does matter. The same way we want minorities in – Coaching positions and ownership positions, because there are so many players, and because there are so many fans. Like, you want that same thing. I feel like amongst gay or bi players too, because there are plenty of gay fans of the NFL. There are, I'm sure, way more than just Carl Nassib, as far as gay players. And even just like I said, going back to a, a, some poor kid in high school, like the kid, some of the kids that I played with in high school were absolute deviants. And I don't think it's because they were gay and covering it up. But you never know if they were like, I got to push this past so far that I got to be like hyper masculine or whatever. And so if there's just but even if there's a gay kid just closeted and he sees now that Carl Nassib is just a dude who plays in the NFL and hopefully will be treated like just a dude who plays in the NFL, then I mean, that matters. And that's a big deal. And so I'm happy for him. I'm happy for any gay fans who may be watching or any people who are close to any gay people.
1: Yeah, and I feel like just judging by the reaction on like although it's it's just something material but
2: it's been the fact but I was like the, reaction, has... the reactions actually been quieter than I would have thought to be honest cuz even if people say it's not genuine, I would have thought there would have been at least a lot of like sort of good PR tweets about just like congrats Carl, good for you. I saw that Saquon had his tweet cuz I know they both went to Penn State. Um and I know two of the other defensive linemen from the Raiders came out supporting him, but I feel like there wasn't an outpouring of support that you kind of hoped there would be publicly from other players. I heard J.J. Watt said something positive, but
1: I don't know about the rest of the league. I feel like it's overall been relatively quiet. Yeah, but I was just going to say as far as like the jersey sales part of it, because that just means Oh, that yeah, I mean, from the fans. Obviously sure, people, yeah. So I think for the most part, I don't think he's going to be hearing anything crazy from like fans in the stadium. So obviously just the ignorant same people that stick out in other, for other reasons in other sports. Yeah. But like, yeah, the, boss, the overall, Boston Celtics fans of the world. I'm sure with the Eagles fans are, uh, the Eagles play the Raiders this year too, but it's going to be in Las Vegas. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. But I just want to say Carl Nassif, like super brave for doing that and, and whatnot. But I also want to point out, and I should have pointed this out in the opening that I am super brave because I'm powering through this podcast with a, a wild amount of stitches. Five uh, we're gonna, back. I was going to talk about our, our cuts <laughs> at the way the taping earlier. But, so we were going to record this episode uh, a couple days ago, but then my um, dumbass cut my finger, and uh, in, in, a, in a crazy garbage can accident. I've, yeah, I because lost you don't fight. know the meaning of reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> yeah, you so don't
2: understand that these.
1: I sliced my finger labels. and had to go to urgent care and got five stitches. So. That's all right. This is, this is like my flu game. So you could just call me Michael Jordan. So, yeah, your,
2: your finger literally, like you said it first, but your finger looks like the football from the the logo of the podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah. How have... did you splice it? Like it's weird, it's so weird that you spliced it
1: like right down the middle, like vertically. Don't ask. I'm just happy that it's still attached because it looks so gross. I had, I had my doubts there for a second. This puts my uh my Fortnite and Call of Duty career on hold for a little bit too. This is, this you... is challenging stuff to get over. You go in as JPP for uh, 4th of July. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's what I joked about, too. No fireworks for me this year. Mm-hmm. But um, speaking of injuries, let's move on with these, uh, this football topic. So the Steelers released uh, longtime right guard David DeCastro, and a move that I feel like nobody really saw coming. But, yeah, so it seems like they put him uh, – they released him with the NFI designation, which is non-football injury. So, I, And apparently the whole season – I think he missed three games towards the beginning of the season, but they were with, like, an abdomen injury and then a knee injury. Yeah, and like he that. played
2: si- and he played 16 the year before.
1: Yeah, but then all of a sudden now he has this, like, crazy, what could be career-ending huh. ankle injury that requires surgery, and it seems like he's contemplating retirement. So it's just weird to see. I think he made, what, six or seven straight Pro Bowls, and now he's yeah. just, like, nobody knows what's going to happen because clearly he's a, a good player, great potentially great player when he's healthy. But it's just, it's a weird situation, and I I would like to see where it goes. Now, we're a little late in the process for
2: this to all sort of be coming out now. But I know, obviously, the Giants have a gaping hole at really both guard spots, but at least left guard you think is going to be okay because Hernandez and Lemieux have both played left guard primarily. So you'd hope one of them is at least decent enough. Um, Neither of them have spent any prolonged periods at right guard. So that's a big question mark, because all they have besides those two right now on the roster as far as like guards with experience is uh, Zach Fulton. But DeCastro primarily played right guard, and the Giants just signed Kyle Rudolph, knowing he was going to need, I believe it was ankle, but definitely leg-related injury surgery. So I'd love to see them at least kick the tires on DeCastro, and if he doesn't have to retire and if he can come back this year— then see if you can get him to agree to a deal. And if your medical staff obviously checks him out and says, cause even if they say he's going to miss, you know, the first four games or the first six games, whatever it would be. I think you could still roll the dice on that given how shoddy the interior of the offensive line is. And then you obviously hope that the trio that you currently have can fill it out. But if not to know that you should have DeCastro coming back healthy is a big get. And then if somehow he can be ready for the start of the season, then amazing. Like, your line all of a sudden looks way more uh, useful if you have a healthy soldier and to Castro on top of all the rookies that you had last year and the younger guys. So I'm really hoping the Giants at least, you know, see if he wants to still play and then can give him a medical check and see if they can make the finances work because I'd love to get somebody who can play even remotely close to how he played at his peak to get on the Giants this late in the year.
1: Yeah, when I saw the uh, that he was contemplating retirement or had to get the surgery or whatever, I immediately thought of like the Juwan James situation and how he signed with the Ravens, where it was like a two year deal
0: with like, yeah five, like, with five, like a, thousand that thousand
1: guarantee, year, pretty much. Yeah, like we'll pay yeah. you to rehab, but then next year we got you locked in for like a discount for what his position is, but basically because they're putting him under contract and he'll be able to use he, their facility or whatever to rehab. I would say so. the
2: only thing, the only thing with Tecastro that might make that a little bit of a hindrance is. He is, I think, thir- going to be 31 this season already, and not yeah, that 32 he... is ancient for a guard. I mean, we have guys like Andrew Whitworth on the offensive line playing until they're 57, I think. But yeah, I don't know if you want a 31-year-old with an in- with a major injury if he's if you know he's going to miss this whole season. I think it's different. Like I said, if he misses part of the season, even half the season, but I don't think you want to go in knowing he's missing the whole year.
1: Yeah, but um. Juwan James has had an even worse history, and he's 29. I'm looking at his uh, career stats now. So he played yeah. 16 games as a rookie, then he played seven the next year, 16 games in 2016, eight games the next year, 15 games in 2018, three games in 2019, and didn't play at all last year.
2: Yeah. So
1: I mean, just like, but when you, when you talk about that
2: sort of deal, it also
1: makes it Like, a team like the
2: Ravens, their line was pretty good already. So... I think it depends on who the team is too. Like for the giants, I feel like it doesn't really make a lot of sense because you're kind of looking for guard help now while you like hope that Lemieux and Hernandez can play, but I don't think you want to wait a year in case they can't. Um But I think to me, a team like the Chiefs, let's say who just signed a bunch of veterans and brought in all sorts of linemen, being able to just sort of give him that year would maybe make a little bit more sense, especially then if Kyle long doesn't pan out or decides to retire or, uh, DuVernay, Tarvin DuVernay, whatever his name is, um, <laughs> decides he wants to go back into the medical field or something like that, then a team like that would make a lot of sense to give him,
1: if you're going to do that whole, like, you know, essentially medical redshirt year. Yeah, so then after the Steelers released the cash row, they went and signed arguably the best guard that was left in free agency and Trey Turner, who's only, I think, 27 or 28. They signed him to, like, a one-year three million dollar deal, I think, something like that. So it's a, a really good deal for someone that's as good as Trey Turner. But he did have some injuries last year. He only played nine games. But I think they they're taking a chance on a guy that's a couple years younger and could play just as good as DeCastro if he's healthy. So I feel like that was yeah. a good move for them.
2: Say it feels it feels like a lateral move overall. I don't think like I don't think anybody thinks Trey Turner is going to be a downgrade really from DeCastro much, but again it's similar questions as far as health like you said. But I think that it makes more sense to, to uh, let Takashiro walk if you knew you were getting Trey Turner to come in anyway. Yeah, Because I
1: think they actually worked him out like a couple days before that, and people are like, "All right, that's kind of interesting." Because I think they are—they were already missing like three starters from the year before. Yeah, and then—and I
2: mean, not for nothing, they have—they're still running Ben out there, so just bring it. Like, even if they had kept Takashiro, why not try to bring in Turner too and just try to get the best line you can? Because Ben is not very mobile. And is extremely injury prone.
1: Yeah, I think I read somewhere now that they're gonna have like four different starters on their offensive line compared to last year. Not that it was yeah. like anything amazing last year, because oh, speaking offenses... of which, did uh, did Villanueva sign anywhere? Because I know he was like a he's, free agent. He's now. on the Ravens. Okay, right after they traded uh, Orlando Brown, I think they signed him. Okay, gotcha. But um, so yeah, they have a bunch of people to replace, and I guess Trey Turner at least gives them a solid presence on the offensive line in case everybody else is. Inexperienced. But moving on to an offensive lineman that's the complete opposite of these two because he's never missed a game in his career. Uh, Morgan Moses, who played right tackle for the Redskins for the past what is it, six seasons, seven seasons, something like that, he signed with the Jets for, I think, another steal of the deal because they signed him to a one-year deal with, I think, $3.5 million guaranteed, and uh, he can earn up to $5 million, I believe, with incentives. So I feel like that's a great move for them. Joe Douglas continues to just uh, solidify the offensive line and give Zach Wilson the help that Sam Darnold wish he had. So,
2: yeah, um, as a Giants fan, I'm jealous of this. Um, I don't think it's a given that the Giants that the uh, Jets offensive line is going to be better necessarily than the Giants because I think we can see what happens with Becton and Thomas because sometimes rookies progress and regress and whatever. Becton seemed to have some injury questions. I don't think we know for sure that ABT is going to be what we expect him to be. But I think that pairing gives you a lot of hope. And then now Morgan Moses, we know he's a good right tackle. And I lo- who who doesn't love Dan Feeney, whether he starts or not? We'll see. But I don't know. I think that Jets, that Jets line is fun and has the most potential that they've had in years. And so if you're a Jets fan, I think you've got to be excited about that, especially with a rookie quarterback who – Obviously, he's going to have to take his lumps and learn the system and learn the NFL speed and everything.
1: Yeah, I wish our uh, our friend Bogues was here to talk about his Jets. I know he loved the Morgan Moses signing. But if you just look at the way their offensive line has flipped around compared to, like say, the 2019 team, it's just crazy. Because now their projected line, I'm looking at it now on ourlads.com. Uh, they have Becton and Vera Tucker on the left side, Connor McGovern at center, who I think was playing out of position and playing guard for them last year, which didn't make any sense. And then uh, Greg Van Rotten, who they signed from Carolina, and then Morgan Moses is the right tackle. So it seems like and then I think I think George Fant is probably going to be their swing tackle and he'll come in if Beckon or Moses gets hurt. So I feel like they're in a, a really good spot. Yeah, like I said, that's not a bad line at all. Um,
2: if, if they're healthy and if everybody plays up to their potential, I, I said this before the signing, I think that's a line with the potential to be a top five line in the league. But Then again, I can make a case that if the Giants all played up to their potential, which we know that they won't, they could be the same thing.
1: But we already know that the Giants are going to win the NFC. Didn't we? you come down to that? uh, No, we know that they're going to absolutely finish ahead of the Eagles. I
2: don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind about that. Um, And we know that Jalen Hurts is
1: not in the top 44 quarterbacks in the league. Wow. Don't know what? We're going to have to have a whole other episode if we start talking about that. So. Um,
2: Yeah, I'm just saying he had the 33rd 33rd
1: QBR last year and then all the rookies (laughs) came in. All right. So I think that's a perfect time to stop the NFL talk and we'll move on to the NCAA's Supreme Court ruling and all that good stuff. I'm going to toss it over to you because I know absolutely nothing about this. So
2: all right. So long story short, everybody knows the NCAA has been in hot water with fans and players for years about. Not letting players basically get anything besides a free like free room and board and free classes, right? I, I mean, everybody kind of understands that, and everybody thinks it's ridiculous that the NCAA makes money hand over fist, and players can't really do anything or get anything while they're there besides the education that everybody values so highly. Um, what I didn't know until I was reading about this suit is that apparently there were a lot of limits on even the educational-related benefits that players can get. It seems like the NCAA may have limited their access to uh, tutoring, to um, laptops, to in- well internships, I'm not as surprised in, but to internships and all sorts of things. And apparently that's with this case that moved up to the Supreme court NCAA versus Alston was about basically it was about the uh, they were challenging that the NCAA basically overreached and in not allowing players to have all the same benefits on scholarship that any other scholarship student would have because apparently students on academic scholarships can do internships they can do all of that stuff they can get help with uh, laptops and books and all of that where it seems like technically the players were never able to do that. So I feel like initially the tweet by, I forget if it was Ralph Vacchiano or Ian Rappaport, one of the like prominent NFL reporters made it sound like there was like more to it almost. But in reading it, there really wasn't a lot, but it does open the door for a lot going forward. Cause apparently this originally started in a lower circuit court and it got overturned or sorry, it didn't get overturned. uh, They ruled against the NCAA. And so the NCAA brought it to the Supreme Court with their case being that, like, there could be a hypothetical $500,000 a year internship that a school could promise a player to get them to play there, even if it's an internship sort of postgraduate. Because that's the other thing, too. Apparently the NCAA limited... They couldn't. Players couldn't get postgraduate scholarships, so they couldn't get money for grad school. They couldn't get money to finish their degrees if they did leave early um, or finish their eligibility. There was like a lot of limits on players. And so they went to the Supreme Court, and in a 9-0 ruling, the Supreme Court upheld the lower court's decision. Um, and like I said, that's just a big thing because now players can get books, now players can get tutors, players can get laptops. And I think probably most importantly, players can get the internships. And so, again, if, let's just say, Nike wanted to give a guy who, again, hypothetically speaking, was going to Oregon the chance at a $500,000 a year internship after college, they could do that. And it also even opens up the door just to unpaid internships, which apparently they couldn't even have those before. So it was really just wild how restrictive the NCAA was.
1: Well, do you, um, we just? I'm going to cut you off one second. Do you remember yeah. what um, Darius Baisley did? couple years ago?
2: I don't remember.
1: So he skipped going to college and then instead he signed a it was like a three month one million dollar internship with New Balance. And then he was just gonna like train for the draft. He ended up getting picked in the first round. And then right when he got to the league, he obviously signed an endorsement deal with New Balance. That I think it was worth up to like fourteen million depending on how he played. This is so for the like, No this is uh Darius bailey with the NBA.
2: Okay, that makes more sense. Because so I, I do remember I remember hearing that there were... Because I know NBA players have also opted to go play pro overseas in lieu of college. And that's the whole concept of the movie Boogie, which I don't think anybody saw about me. But <laughs> um, good, good movie, by the way. If you're looking for a sports movie, I thought Boogie was actually solid. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the concept of the movie. Is he did, he's debating, does he go to college or does he play pro overseas? And,
1: well, now yeah. you don't even have to go overseas because these guys... You got the G League Ignite team, and this other uh, site—I think. Oh, uh, what is it? So I forget the name of it. But they start—they're starting their own basketball league. Both are for basketball, but so like football players are still kind of screwed. But we've seen Lamelo go overseas, and whoever else. There's been a bunch of guys throughout the years that have went overseas first. But now you don't even have to go overseas. There's there's places and, and leagues in the U.S. that literally the G League team works with the NBA, and then. These guys are getting paid probably close to a million dollars or whatever. Some of them are 16, 17 years old with this other league. So it's just it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, there's Also, there's a
2: 40, I think it's a 45-page ruling that came out. And obviously, I was not going to read all 45 pages. But I was browsing it. And there were a couple of things in there that I thought were interesting. If anybody ever has the chance, I was just reading as much of it as you can. Because it's kind of just a cool history of how the NCAA came to be and what they sort of have dealt with in the past. And I had sent this to you privately, but there was a quote that I thought was really interesting. It said, In 1939, freshmen at the University of Pittsburgh went on strike because upperclassmen were reportedly earning more money. And in the 1940s, Hume McKellen, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, a halfback for the University of Washington, quote, became known as the first college player ever to take a cut in salary to play pro pro football. So I think that's ultimately what the NCAA is afraid of happening. I think they're afraid that their players are going to have to be paid and be paid at a comparable level to pros the same way the college coaches can sometimes make more than NFL coaches. Um, But I don't think that's – I think, again, people like to use the slippery slope argument. And I don't think it should ever get to that. I don't think athletes should ever be paid directly from the schools. But like I've said before, I think if you wanted to work out sponsorship money where they can either get a cut of their jersey sales or be allowed to license themselves for video games or even just being allowed to make like to do autograph signings or personal appearances. All of those things should be ways that guys can make money. And I don't think there should be limits to benefits. Like I said, like I've said before, I know there was the Ohio State case a couple years ago where bunch of kids got free tattoos and gotten to hot water for it like that should be fine i think if there's a big billionaire or millionaire who went to your college and wants to like, pay kids tons of money under the table let him do it as long as it's not coming from public funds who really cares i don't care that it's going to make one college better than the other like get get richer alumni then i don't know what to tell you um because this whole thing is a sham anyway and i'm glad that it's slowly
1: starting to dissipate yeah but that's the thing to me is like It's ridiculous that these guys that say, like, take a guy like Trevor Lawrence that was a prodigy in high school, went to Clemson, everybody knew about him, whatever. But, like, we live in a time where a company could literally pay somebody hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars, just to post a couple things on, like, their social media accounts. Yeah. So the fact that, like, a player can't even do that, which has nothing to do with anything on the field. He's literally just using the name and character that he's built for himself.
2: But just to cut you off. It's just crazy to me. To me, that's not even the example that i would use because people who are in favor of the ncaa they'll use the trevor lawrences of the world because they'll say that like well the ultimate payoff is you make the nfl and you make a ton of money when you're in the nfl and that's absolutely true for some of the players i think the better example would be to use a guy like and i know he's dead now but like a colt brennan in hawaii or even a timmy chang
1: Oh, yeah, I was just using Lawrence as just the...
2: Yeah, or like Ian Ian Johnson at Boise State or, uh, what was it, Kellen Moore at Boise State. Like, these guys who, they don't go on to have NFL success. They don't go on to make millions of dollars playing pro ball. These are guys who, like, their prime years, their prime notoriety comes in college. Even a Denard Robinson, who had, like, a short NFL career, but was, like, kind of legendary during his run at Michigan. Like... These are guys who, had they been able to capitalize off their fame while they had it, would likely be in a much better financial situation than they are right now, and that's the problem, too. Everybody assumes that, like, the greatest college football players are all going to be great pros, but how many of them don't? I mean, how many people do we see every year? They get drafted high because they have great college careers, and then for whatever reason, they flame out in the NFL. Like, those are the guys to me that that being able to profit off their – likeness and stuff would be more beneficial, to than anybody. Those sort of, like, Cardell Jones of the world. And I know he's maybe a bad example because he had the whole, like, we didn't come to play school tweet.
0: <laughs> but, like,
2: but I think those are the guys who really could benefit from it, too. Because the other thing, too, is it's all also a sham because everybody says, and obviously I never played football at a D1 level, so I can't personally speak to it. But you hear from so many people that, like, so many players are – Discouraged from taking the majors they may actually want to take or discouraged from taking harder classes or limited in their course selection because of the schedules of football practice and stuff. So it's again, the whole thing's a sham anyway, because people who claim that like, Oh, these players are getting free education and that's the benefit. A lot of them aren't getting the free education that they should be getting because if they're not allowed to take any classes they want and any schedule they want, then it's not really a free education. Then it's, a free selective
1: education. Yeah, and then they also have to deal with all the media stuff that comes along with it because they have to go to practice, then they'll have media obligations to talk to the press or whatever. So it's like they can't even really focus on being a student, especially playing at these huge programs. I mean, granted, you'll hear, I'm sure there are plenty of guys that were actually really dumb and couldn't pass any classes that were just there, like Cardell Jones, to play football and not play school or whatever (laughs) he said. But like... I'm sure there are guys, like you mentioned, that want to actually get a degree. They want to do something with themselves off the field, but they just can't because the NCAA limits what they could do, and it's just so damn stupid. And I'm glad it's starting to change. But I just don't know if it's going to be enough to sway people from especially at least basketball players that are like getting these crazy offers from these other leagues that they don't have to go to college because they know they're a five-star recruit. They know they're going to get drafted, whether it's first, second round, whatever. There are 16 16-year-olds. I think there was like a pair of twins that they got like a million dollars each or something close to that to play. And I think it was Overtime is the, is the name of the site yeah, that's starting its own on, league. On, all right. But it's just like if I'm a 16-year-old kid, I, there's no way I'm turning down that money just so I can get a degree. Because it's just like I can go back and do that later. And I feel like that's what a lot of people think. And I just couldn't turn down that money if I was them. And I don't think anything the NCAA changes is going to really swindle or change players from doing that either.
2: Yeah, at the, I mean at the basketball level for sure. I'm I'm still surprised the NBA hasn't just reverted back to like you can get drafted straight out of high school to be honest. But it, it's only think, a matter of
1: time I feel I especially think it's with this
2: be, Ignite. Thing. Yeah. But I think it's going to be that at the college like at the college football level that this can really make the most impact cuz in most of your other college sports even baseball there's just not the money in it. But I heard on I think it was KJZ this week that the NFL uh not the NFL rather the NCAA in football alone I think made something like four times as much money as the NFL. They I made like,
1: I, I heard that also. It was like nine billion or something. Yeah, it was like
2: an, it was even higher than that. I think I want to say this at seventeen billion, but I'm not exact on that number. But I think it was like seventeen billion for one season. And that was in I think this past year when like you didn't even have fans in the stands for half the stadiums. Alright, so the I, I just looked it up. limited like
1: so it was the total athletics revenue reported among all NCAA athletic departments in 2019 okay. was 18.9 so billion. So that wouldn't include basketball too, but okay. 18.9 billion. That was 2019. And then so, they 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 lost 800 million in revenue this past year, so they only made a sad what the uh, 17 billion something mm-hmm. like that.
2: But and that's the thing, and you know that the vast majority of that has to be football. Yeah. Because co- college basketball makes big money during the NCAA tournament and really not the rest of the year because people don't really care the rest of the year. The other sports really don't draw a dime, generally speaking. So, so much of that is on the back of college football,
1: just being realistic. Yeah, you've got what in basketball, you've got like North Carolina and Duke, I feel like are the main big, big, and Kentucky. But yeah, like in, outside in Zaga,
2: of that There's like like there is a few schools that just like look at a college 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 stadium,
1: stadium compared to a basketball a college basketball stadium. It's just not even close the, the way yeah. they sell out in tailgate and it just gets crazy. Let's get on to some basketball discussion. So right now the Suns and Clippers are playing game 4 of the Western Conference Finals. And uh, according to my MetroPCS internet over here, you, you can uh, tell me if I'm wrong or not. I don't know if you have the game on, but the Suns are up by 1 with uh, six and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. So Devin Booker still got the mask on, but he's actually scoring tonight. DeAndre Ayton is looking like Shaq out there with 17 points and 20 rebounds. But um, the Clippers are keeping things close. I think the series would be over if the Suns won this one because then they would go back home only having to win one. Kawhi's still, uh, still out, right? Yep, Kawhi's still out. So Paul George got 20. Reggie Jackson got 16. And then Ivika Zubak. That's 13 and 13. So, I mean, they're That's trying their great. best to hold it down. They're a lot more competitive than I thought they would be. Game's a uh, commercial right now, uh, currently watching the preview for Space Jam. Nice. <laughs> so, shout out to the GOAT, LeBron James. But uh, yeah, so I think the Suns are eventually going to take this series, even though the Clippers are playing it much closer than I expected. I think Kawhi's injury is a lot worse than they're letting on. But I've never heard of somebody like. Partially well,
2: Kawhi is still out, right? He hasn't played at all yeah, this series.
1: he's still out. He's in, in a suit, sitting in the suite and whatever. But he's, um, yeah, I don't think, it kind of reminds me of, I'm going oh. way back. Well, not way back, but Rondo's injury in, I think it was 2010, when he, like, finished the game, but then he ended up tearing his ACL, and he didn't even know that. He, like, went to practice the next day. And they're like, oh, no, you need to go for an MRI. And then they found out he tore his ACL. I think we're going to see that. Once the Clippers are knocked out, that Kawhi's injury is much worse than they're letting on. They're kind of probably just trying to keep the Suns nervous, I guess. But I think they all know that he's not coming back.
2: Yeah. But... Um. J- Jason Pierre-Paul still playing for the Clippers
1: though, playing well. <laughs> That's uh, Reggie Jackson, his twin. Yes. But yeah, he's he's a free agent, so he's about to get the way he's been playing in the playoffs. Although he's, I think he's like older than I expected. He's like thirty-one years old. Kind of threw me off. But I think he'll still get a decent amount unless the Clippers just bring him back. But Yeah, um, I know
2: there was I know there were I was saying, I know there were uh rumors a couple of years ago about him, the Nets trying to get him. I don't think they would be interested now, but with Dinwiddie moving on, if he's willing to ring chase a little bit, maybe they'd get the Yes. Would you take
1: would you trade Kyrie for Reggie Jackson straight up?
2: <laughs> I would trade Kyrie for a <laughs> bag of salt and vinegar chips. And I don't even eat salt and vinegar chips.
1: Salt and vinegar I, chips might be the worst chips ever.
2: They're the, they're disgusting. And the only reason I bring up salt and vinegar is because there was a really good spot in an indie wrestling show a few weeks ago. This, <laughs> of course. Going, of going, course. Back Carl, going back to Carl Massett, there's an openly gay wrestler, Effie, who literally is a guy who wrestles in like fishnet stockings. He comes out to Elton John. He's the best. Oh my um, god. But he had a death match a couple weeks ago. And part of the death match was, of course, they used light tubes and glass and barbed wire and all this crap. Um, but he busted a guy's back open. and they, hey, no, no. yo. No, 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 you know what I was going to say? It was actually his back that got all cut up. You got to be and careful with that opponent, phrase. His opponent pulled out a bag of salt and vinegar chips and crushed it and rubbed it into his back. <laughs> um, which I thought was one of the most oh, like brutal God. spots I've seen in a wrestling match. But, yeah, so uh, shout-out to Effie, who will never listen to this podcast. <laughs> and <laughs> all the deathmatch wrestling that I enjoy. Because I love wrestling of all sorts. Um, so, yeah. I don't I'm really a sure. short We're talking
1: about the Saints and Clippers. The
0: oh, yeah, I,
2: is... I, I, hate, I hate Kyrie Irving. And I said from the beginning, I only wanted Kyrie Irving to get Kevin Durant. And I would, if we can keep Kevin Durant, especially now if you can keep Kevin Durant and James Harden, I would give up Kyrie for literally anything because just the cap space that, that would free up alone would let you sign, like, all sorts of good players to put around them. Like, but I understand that Kyrie was a necessary evil because they needed Kyrie to attract Durant. So I'll always appreciate
1: that part of Kyrie, but nothing else. So uh, speaking of the Nets, the Bucks beat them in Game 7. I don't know if we've recorded since then. Uh-huh. And uh, they oh, tied you know up I- against I- the Hawks. I-, I know I'm annoying. I'm going to go back for a minute, though. Did you see the comp that people have – I've seen
2: a couple of people make now where they're comparing Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton
1: to Shaq and Kobe? Yes, because that's the world we live in. And just like they said, Donovan Mitchell was the greatest player in Jazz history. Hmm? We're the most reactionary people in the world right now. This this is crazy. I think there was a thing I had shared, I think, on Facebook or on Twitter. I don't know if I texted it to you directly, but it was like the curse of Stephen A. Smith. Did you see that? Yes, I saw that. So, so the tweet says, it's from @kazim. It says, the Stephen A. curse might be real. One, this is, this is quotes from Stephen A. Smith. Donovan Mitchell is the best jazz player ever, end quote. Then literally right after that, they got knocked out of the playoffs. Then his second one is, Devin Booker is the next Kobe. Literally right after that, he had the terrible game three where he shot like two of 70, and that's what happened. And then number three... Is Trey Young is the best superstar left in the playoffs, and then they literally got beat by the Bucks the following game. So it's just, I mean, this I know that's what he's paid to do, but him and Skip Bayless, like, all of those shows, I can't even watch them anymore. I used to watch them a while back because we just I haven't,
2: I haven't watched either one in a long time. I feel like I'm so over hot take sports shows, yeah. like. I can read the hot take tweets in
1: two seconds and yeah, save a lot of my own. That's where play. I'm at now because I can just easily <laughs> just swipe right by it or mute somebody or block somebody on Twitter and not have to sit through a whole two or three hours show where they're just going back and forth saying the dumbest stuff. But but it I, is it but it trigger trigger hard because like, it. but it is hard because a lot of people
2: still like there is an entertainment value in that. They're obviously very successful. Like. That's why they're making millions of dollars to be on TV and we're two morons sitting here agreeing <laughs> with each other half the time. Like, um, we should have more episodes like our never released Carson Wentz debate, and oh, maybe no. we'd be on ESPN right now. But I just can't, I can't fake it. I feel like if like every once in a while I'll have a take that might be a hot take, but I genuinely believe it. Like I genuinely believe that Mac Jones is going to be, if not the best quarterback from this class. A very good starting NFL quarterback for a very long time. Like that's a take that might sound like a hot take, but I genuinely feel that. Um, but I'm also not going to sit here and tell you Mac Jones is better than Tom Brady or anything crazy like that. Where I feel like if we were on ESPN or FS1, that's what you would have to say just to get you'd be like Mac Jones is going to be the greatest quarterback to ever play the position. It's like that's not something you're ever going to hear from us. Like. What's that supposed to be? That was uh, that was that was me on ESPN. That was my ESPN voice. Uh, currently on the
1: SEC network, I believe, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that that was like a combination of, uh, and that guy who sounds really racist that I don't think has ever officially been proven to be racist. What's his name? Oh my God. Um, I don't even know. No, what's his name? He's on, like, I think he literally went to, like, Fox News after all that. The, who's the white guy that used to be on ESPN who, like, the second he talked just sounded, oh, Will Kane, I think. Right? Oh, I didn't, Kane, even,
1: didn't he have all those Trump tweets and stuff? I think that. Like, I, I, I know. I
2: feel like Will Cain always sounded like a racist no matter what he said. I'm not saying Will Kane is a racist, but I am saying his voice sounded inherently racist. And then uh, he, he has a very, very racist
1: voice. on apparently. Fox News, I think. So, um <laughs> right, So, I'm keeping with that's... the basketball stuff, we had uh, a bunch of hires. I don't think. I think only one is official so far, but the Celtics hired Yudoka the Pacers hired Rick Carlisle, the Mavericks hired Jason Kidd, and the Blazers hired Chauncey Billups. So do any of those stand out for your uh, not knowing much about basketball self? Yeah, you guys got Mr. Uh, Nia Long, so that was yes. good.
2: You guys can have Nia Long at your games now because it's 1999, and I guess she's relevant still.
1: I um, just want to talk about the greatest tweet ever. It was um, somebody put up it was a clip of Professor from N1, right? So, you know, he does, like, the crazy dribbling and all that stuff. And it was, like, live look at Peyton Pritchard after he realizes his coach is married to Nia Long. And it was just, like, <laughs> him just dribbling the ball for, like, a minute straight, like, trying to show off. I, th- I thought it was so funny. But, yeah. yeah. Right. But, no, I mean, I'm not
2: saying Nia Long's bad at all.
1: I'm just saying I feel like
2: Oh, she's uh, bad. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Not, not, not bad in the bad way. Um, yeah, okay. Bad in a good way, sure. But I feel like she's also, like, I don't know. Time is not on her side. Stop it. The way it is for somebody like Halle Berry. Um, <laughs> and now I sound like Carl Massive. It's all about Taylor Swift. Um. Yeah, I don't know. None of them really stand out to me. Jason Kidd, I guess, is going to spill some water in Dallas because I think I heard they're bringing in uh, Tyson Chandler as their strength and conditioning coordinator. I heard they... Uh...
1: <laughs> Raymond Felton's going to be there.
2: Yeah, I think Jason Terry is going to be their public relations guy. Pablo Prigioni?
1: Yeah, he's coming. Is...
2: In the mix? J.J. Barea, I think, is going to um do something. Because Dallas is just reuniting everybody from their old championship team, it feels like, to get new roles.
1: I wish um, we could get Eric in here to talk about the Mavericks right now, because he is yeah, so no, mad about that. Eric is here, and we don't
2: <laughs> – We can't yeah, hear him. He is him. not
1: working. Can I but confirm this, I, one thing I did want to say about the whole Maverick situation, though, that was so weird to me, is did you see who they're hiring at their GM? Yeah, was it Michael Finley? No. Everybody thought it was going to be Michael Finley because Uh-oh. he was their assistant GM, I think. Okay. But they hired longtime Nike executive Nico Harrison. Basically, a i a GM? Yes. So it seems like the whole Rob <laughs> Palenka thing. That the yeah, Lakers but the same,
2: you know what's weird, though? Because before you bring that up, it sounds kind of crazy, but then think about what the Knicks, like, the Knicks have their best GM, I guess you could say, kind of, in a while, and it's that guy, I forget his name, but the guy who was an agent, wasn't he? Leon Rose, like, right? Yeah, Leon Rose, right? Like, isn't mm-hmm. he the guy? I mean, I think the Knicks have the most talented team in the world, don't get me wrong, but, like, Leon Rose is the one who brought Thibodeau in, who brought Randall in, like, right? He made those moves. He drafted quickly, yeah. not mistaken. So, so like... Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's like I think because basketball is like that's the other thing too. Basketball is a small team sport. Like you have what 15 guys on the roster, or a little bit more now. And they added. Yeah, well, models.
1: all of the articles literally mention that like he has a great relationship with players throughout the league because of yeah. his work with Nike. So it's like, and,
2: like at- and it's also it's also a star-driven league. So really in basketball, like. What you're ultimately probably going to be judged on is just like, did you get the stars there? Yes or no? Because like, when you talk about building a football team, there's a lot more that goes into it. You have 53 men on your roster, plus practice squad, plus all the transitions you have to make midseason. I think you really have to, like, I think you have to know football more to be a good football GM than you have to know basketball to be a basketball GM. If that makes
1: sense. Mm, kind of losing me, but it's alright. I'll go with it.
2: I, but do you get what I'm like? What I'm saying? Because think about it, like. You every once in a while you'll get the Warriors who sort of like are really a home, are primarily homegrown team until they added Durant. Although um, well, even with Durant, three fourths of their big four were homegrown. But generally speaking, your teams that win are the teams that like have gotten a star or two to get like really two or three stars together. And I don't think you have to be a basketball genius to know that like, hey, I should get LeBron or I should get Durant. Like, or I should get Paul George and Kawhi even to come together. Like, I don't think that requires this, like, incredible in-depth Belichickian knowledge of the game.
1: Like, I guess, but I also feel like there's, like, less margin for error with the NBA because your roster is so small. So if you do miss on, like, a top pick or if you do miss out on a free agent, like, your team, like, where, like, say, on average, a regular team in, in the NBA would have two picks a year. But in the NFL, you have seven picks a year, at least, not counting compensatory picks or whatever else. So it's just like, I don't know. I feel like because there's a smaller roster, obviously, both sports you need to know your stuff. I wouldn't say that you need to know your sport one like better one way than the other. I yeah, I totally disagree. Like I said, I'm not not saying I don't want to I don't want to downplay.
2: I don't want to make it sound like oh any like I don't want to sound like I can put together an NBA team. I don't think any schmuck off their couch can assemble a championship team. I just don't think – you like, I think you can be – if you've just had a job that's basketball-related and are a big enough fan of the game, I think you can put together – you know what it takes to put together a good NBA team. I'll say that. I think you could be – like, we're both diehard NFL fans. I – as much as I want to believe that I can, I don't think, even being as big of an NFL fan as I am, that I could actually, in reality, construct a decent NFL roster, where I think if I was – as diehard of a fan of the NBA as I am in the NFL, then I think maybe you maybe you could like is what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, I'll, I'm kind of more just more so just talking from like the draft perspective because you have the whole like international scene that they have to know about too.
0: Yeah, but, as but far I, feel as
2: like, draft, I feel like in the NBA the draft is somewhat overrated because I don't know. I mean, like I said, I know sometimes you get these like like the core of the Warriors I get with a lot of your superstars are guys you just end up signing. And a lot of your like roster guys are guys you end up
1: trading for. I don't know. But in terms of like roster construction overall, I feel like the NFL is harder because obviously they have the hard cap and you can't just, I feel like you don't really see in the NFL, these guys just signing for the minimum being bought out, signing for the minimum, like Blake Griffin and Marcus Aldridge did like, so it's harder from that point of view. But I just think, I don't know, it's, it's a weird discussion. And I feel like we could probably spend more time on it another time. But right now, I think it's pretty even as far as like constructing a team in the NBA, constructing a team in the NFL, because if those superstars don't become available, then it comes down to your draft picks and, and signing smaller guys like the Knicks did with Julius Randle. And they found, I guess you could say, a diamond in the rough because he was not playing at that level before he went to New York. So, I don't know. But moving on, well, not moving on. Just a little update on the game. There's a minute and 34 seconds left, according to my uh, slow internet, and the Suns are up five. So if they can steal this game,
2: Uh, minute 12, but yeah, minute 12 and they're still up five. Then the Suns have possession.
1: Okay, so yeah, I think if the Suns win this, I think they're winning the series regardless, especially with Kawhi out. But this all but locks it up in my opinion. So the Suns Uh, in the finals is kind of crazy. Also, Booker, just for the for
2: the important update,
1: Booker not playing with his mask. Oh, How he took going? the mask off.
2: Maskless Booker.
1: Oh, man. Oh. But uh, two more things I wanted to mention on the basketball end, and then I, I think we could wrap up the episode with that. Chauncey Billups? No, I'm over that. Apparently, did you see – I think Damian Lillard just had just sent out a tweet regarding – I think people want him to, like, publicly destroy Chauncey Billups because of the rape things that we've talked about in last week's episode. Yeah. But – um. I'm going to try and find the tweet now so I could say exactly what he said.
2: That is what's crazy, though, because, like, I know, and I don't want to turn this into a like, too political of a point because I'm not going to say that, like, racism is gone or that everything is equal. But it is kind of wild when people bring up, like, oh, how come, let's just say, again, hypothetically, a Chad Wheeler situation, like, went unnoticed? When I literally, there are, like, legends like Paul Malone and Chauncey Phillips who I never knew until, like, decades after they stopped that had anything wrong with them so i feel like it kind of goes both ways
1: so apparently it was earlier today um a twitter user said the this hiring is on dame whatever that like he he pointed for he wanted billups and whatever else like he's kind of blaming him Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: lillard responded he said really i was asked what coaches i like the names of i heard and named them Sorry I wasn't aware of their history and I didn't read the news when I was seven eight years old. I don't uh-huh. support those things, but if this is the route y'all want to come at me, say less. And then so he's pretty much saying like pretty much like what you just said. He probably never heard about it. Yeah. And we just said, like, Oh, say, I, I like... know of Chauncey Billups, I know of Jason Kidd. I would love yeah. to work with those guys. And then so
2: And I and I also will say that like even something as horrendous as potentially like rape. Well, I don't think I'm not saying that, like, you then deserve a job in the NBA or whatever. Like, after that, if you've gone 20 plus years and kept your nose clean and been a good citizen and repaired your image and be and maybe genuinely grown and became a better person and more understanding of it all, I don't think you should necessarily be done for life. Like, like I said, I haven't heard anything about him since then. All I knew Chauncey as was the good guy. So. To me it's yeah. like if it's something like like it would be different if it was like I don't know, I think it's also because the situation seems so sort of murky to begin with, where like it's not Carl Malone, where it's like Carl Malone absolutely was twenty one, I believe, and had sex with a thirteen year old and got her pregnant. Like uh, like we know that. Carmelone is a pedophile. There's no Carmelone might be, there is Carmelone is a pedophile, Carmelone is a piece of garbage. Like
1: because <laughs> like everybody
2: You know, at 21 that you can't put your penis in a 13 year old. Like, so Cromwellone is always going to be garbage in my book, and he'll never get a pass from me. But the Billups thing, like I said, does seem a little bit more murky because it's like, I don't know. I feel like anytime there's sex with a pro athlete with another adult, there's always those sort of like, you know, how much of it was consensual, how much of it wasn't, who's looking for a payday, who's not. Like, and you never, you may never know the truth. Like, did they settle yeah. just because it was easier? Did they settle because they know they were guilty? Like, is the there all thing to me
1: that um, is that like when this guy was winning Finals MVP, I feel like we never heard about it. When he yeah. was hired as like an ESPN analysis for a couple years, well,
2: something that too is also a sign of the times though, because like,
1: no, but he I mean, Finals MVP, I was going back to. like 15 years ago, like,
2: not that rape was ever okay, but 15 years ago, like Me Too didn't exist, social media didn't exist. It wasn't, as much of a, it wasn't as much for better and worse of a gotcha culture. We live in a very gotcha culture. Everybody wants to catch somebody doing the wrong thing. Everybody wants to out somebody for something bad they said or did. And again, I'm not like rape is way worse than like, oh, I made an offensive comment or whatever. But it's still very much people are look like everybody wants to be on their high horse. Everybody wants to make themselves feel better by making other people look worse. So everybody's going to comb through old tweets and old accusations and old anything and if you're not spotless then they're going to bring that up and they're going to pull that out yeah but, but that's that like the, some years ago
1: that was the point i was getting to is like we live yeah. in such like a canceled culture now where like like you said everybody's trying to bring everybody else down i don't know if it's just jealousy or they just want to be the one to like expose them but just like sure. you said the second like an nba player is drafted nfl player is drafted i feel like right away you'll see people start reading retweeting tweets from like Like, they did with the whole Deshaun Watson situation with the massage. Right away, they found, like, tweets from 2016 or whatever it was when he was in college. Or, like, tweets when people are, like, 12, 13 years old. Yeah, to me, college tweets are
2: bad because by college, you kind of know or should know at least what you're doing. But to me, when they go back and find people's, like, high school, middle school tweets, it's like, thank God I didn't have Twitter or social media (laughs) when I was in junior high or high school. Because I'm sure I would have said some incredibly offensive things because you genuinely don't know better. And you're yeah. just trying to be funny. You're trying to get a rise out of your friends. And, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that all cancel culture is bad. Because, like, yeah, if somebody's, like, being a rapist or actively pulling their penis out in front of people who don't want to see it, like, <laughs> that's not really, like, a joke thing. But if somebody makes an off-color joke or an off-color remark, like, that should not be the end of your career. And it is is—it is very much like a whole year than nothing. It's like Everybody wants to be... Uh,
1: well, I think uh, Takeoff just was able to talk now. Can you hear us? Yeah.
2: I was just, speaking of our cancel
0: cancel culture friend, <laughs> the, guy, you the, guy add guy,
2: the guy voted most likely to get the show canceled. Is
0: now in the room. Listen, I will save my outrageous takes for my own show. I'm not going to get you guys canceled, I promise. I appreciate that. So I don't know
1: if you've heard any of our uh, discussion about the cancel culture or whatever's going on in the NBA right now with the...
0: Oh, no, highers, I, heard, but... I heard everything. I'm listening while I'm watching the Suns game.
1: All right, so what are your thoughts on
0: the hires? What would you like to see? And then uh, I guess we'll wrap it up. Um, The hires, well, you, you know how I feel about Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd is god-awful, and I don't <laughs> understand the hype. So do you but, think it's that... as weird
1: as I do that they, like, basically hired their GM because he's friends with Jason Kidd, too? Like, I don't know why you would tie Luka Doncic to that situation.
0: It just seems weird to me. Listen, that's – that's hiring for you. That's just how it goes. But but I I say, own... Also, Luka Doncic,
2: is, Luka Doncic is a child, and children's tastes change at the drop of a hat. <laughs> exactly. So just because just little baby boy Luka likes Kid now doesn't mean that Kid's going to be his favorite person in two weeks. Like, you ask me my favorite wrestler today, it might be a different guy than I tell you tomorrow. And uh, let's see if Lucas still likes Jason Kidd in two months from now.
1: And the thing with the Mavs especially is, like, there was a report that they were going to give Jamal Mosley, their assistant, like, serious consideration for the job. And then apparently just, like, completely passed over him. And if you look from, I think it was earlier this season, uh, something happened with Rick Carlisle. He wasn't able to coach. And Mosley, like, took over the team. I think they beat the Knicks. And uh, they have video of, like, the post-game locker room. And, like, he just walks in. Everybody's sitting in their locker room not doing nothing. And then the second he gets, like, fully into, like, the middle of the locker room, everybody jumps up there, showering him with water, throwing stuff at him. Like, you could tell the players it seemed, like really loved him. So it's just so weird to me that they just completely overlooked him. And now he's getting, I guess now that everybody knows he's leaving Dallas, uh, both Washington and Orlando had requested
0: to interview him. So I'm glad to see Moses getting some interest around the league. Brother, take that Washington job. Do not go to Orlando. Don't, <laughs> don't go there. You don't that want to run, run the five-point guard lineup? Boy, that team has zero future. Their quote-unquote cornerstones have are made of cotton. Are both of them have right now. <laughs> Jonathan Isaac has two bad knees, and Markel Fultz has one arm. I want no <laughs> parts of that organization. Yeah, zero.
1: I think that's going to be the job that's open last, and it's just going to be like, uh, I guess I'll take the job. Like, it's just I was hoping be...
0: Jason Kidd would get that job. Go, go play in Orlando. Go mess them up. They're, you can't do any worse. Go over there. <laughs> okay, that's which all things all things being
2: equal, which coaching job would you say was less attractive, Houston with the Watson allegations or Orlando in the NBA?
1: Oh, it's got to be Houston. Whew. because have you seen that they, They've signed thirty-five free agents.
0: That team is just the <laughs> yeah, replacements. Give me, give you,
1: yeah, look, just, I'll coach
0: them, I'll coach the Magic. Exactly. Exactly. That team is a mess. They got 17 yeah. quarterbacks. I don't know what the hell is going on. At least on I there. know Orlando's management like black people. I don't, I don't want fucking watchers. <laughs> they didn't like Shaq, so uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened with that. Yeah. Or Dwight Howard, for that matter. Yeah, they don't like him. Um, uh, well, no, well, no one likes Dwight Howard, so there's that.
1: He likes Ben Simmons, though. Did you see him defending Ben Simmons on Instagram?
0: I did. Me and Dwight <laughs> Howard are the only two Ben Simmons fans left in America.
1: <laughs> oh, let's, let's touch see. on that now that you're here because you love Ben Simmons.
0: I do. What the hell is going to happen with him? You have to trade him. Yeah, Doc and MB threw him under the bus. You, you <laughs> just, can't come back. Okay, yeah, can I no throw out a trade? Be a left Yeah, I was
2: gonna good. say just straight up Kyrie for Simmons.
1: Will oh, Simmons be your Draymond that, Green. That helps both yes. teams. Yeah, and it makes and wh- it
0: makes my NBA fun again.
1: It works from the salary standpoint because I already looked it up. Because somebody, I think it was Brian O'Connor, had put it in the NBA group. So it actually works from the – you don't even have to add any extra players. I think it just works one for one straight up. And it makes sense for both teams because Kyrie can complement Embiid really well. I think Simmons can take the back seat and kind of just be like a fake Draymond for the Nets.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Harden
1: can be the point full-time
0: really. Yeah, but like you yeah. said, you know Kyrie's not going anywhere because Kyrie's the reason you got Durant. So you stuck with
2: that. <laughs> that's him. still – that's still bothering Kevin Durant has such bad taste in friends. He has bad taste in tweets. He has bad taste <laughs> in everything except for basketball. Pretty much.
1: Getting Kevin Durant was great.
0: taste barbers.
1: But then you realize it came along with Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan. And then it's like, damn.
0: But it's worth it. It's worth it. He's really getting $10 million to wear a warm-up.
2: God, getting Kevin Durant but having to take Kyrie is like dating a really, really hot girl who has four kids and no job. (laughs) It's like... There's so much baggage that comes along with that. that you're like, but you're like, but she, like, she's nice. She's intelligent. She's super sweet. She's attractive. But Flexible. she's got four kid, four kids and no job. How do I handle it?
0: Like, and that's what Kyrie is to Kevin Durant. Oh You score thirty. You, thir- you score thirty. You score thirty a night. Deal with it in the morning. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, one more thing I wanted
1: to touch on. I don't know if John read about this, but Uh-oh. um, did you see? LaMarcus Aldridge wants to be a coach next season because he misses basketball that much. Then, uh, that,
2: his his whole ending just sucked. I mean, it sucked for me too as an F fan, but it sucks for him too. It always sucks when players like like bosh with the uh, blood clots. It's always yeah. like Definitely. terrible when a player just has like a unceremonious ending to their
1: career. Did you see his or uh, I think it was I read it. I don't know if there's a video of it, but did you see his uh, interview with Chams? Nah. He sounded, like, so depressed. He was
0: just like... Oh, the one about him dealing with depression? Yeah, he was like... Well, he liter-
2: you figure he literally, in the span of, like, what, a week,
0: yeah. went
2: from thinking that he was about to win an NBA championship and be a major contributor, because he really would have probably been the main five for the
1: Nets. No,
0: he was 24. playing well, the week and a half he was on the Nets. Yeah, It's
2: like he,
1: he just started think- and had a great game, and then it was, like, literally, like, the next day, they're like, oh, he's got hard yeah, to do something was, like he that. He was playing really well, because that was the whole thing, was everybody was like, you got Blake and Aldridge, and they both, like,
2: were, uh, Wolves and Sheep's clothing, coming from where they came from. Like, they both found it, being in Brooklyn, and then, it just sucked. It sucks how, like, I know Kevin Durant is amazing, and he damn near won that series by himself, but, what it is doing? kind of crazy, just how banged up the Nets ended up being, all things considered, but, like, that you had Aldridge having to retire, that you lost Dinwiddie earlier in the year, that you had Harden on half a leg and didn't have Kyrie for most of that series. Like,
0: you really can't, see I'm, I'm that. Right <laughs> you can't see I, it, but I'm smiling right now.
2: I knew you would be.
1: <laughs> I'm smiling right now. <laughs> but God. on So it seems like Aldridge is going to get back into basketball, at least somehow, some way in the coaching capacity. And the article had mentioned how the Nets lost Emma Yudoka to Boston, and they might lose... Uh, Vaughn or, or DeAntoni to other jobs, so either all just could be a replacement there. Because, but the, I think they, they in the article it said that they have uh, Amari Stoudemire, Amar, Amari Stoudemire and Tiago Splitter on their coaching staff already, in some hmm. capacity. So they don't know I'm if they're going to bring on another player.
0: Tiago Splitter tells me.
1: But <laughs> I don't even know if he can
0: speak English. He's like Brazilian, isn't he? Yeah, but, but, no, Argentina. One of them. He speaks Spanish. Either way, I'm not like listening to damn thing he's going to say. <laughs> no, nah, he, he's, Brazi- he's Brazilian. I saw him doing a Camaro.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then there's a link now that uh, – or I want it to be a link at least. I mean, apparently was the one that brought LaMarcus Aldridge to San Antonio because they played together in Portland. So now people are saying – well, like I said, I think I'm dreaming of it, of Aldridge being a coach for the Celtics. But anyway, I did find – the- he, Would he get
2: cleared to play in the big three? Can he play in a half-court game?
0: Probably. I don't know. Can he coach? Yeah, he, probably, he, he probably wouldn't even risk it. Yeah. I, I
1: a lot of that? But on a more serious note, I did find the quote, or at least one of the quotes from his interview with champs. So he, he said, I've been depressed and I'm trying to figure out how to navigate through not competing on the floor, learning not to be depressed. I still love basketball. I still feel like I have a lot to give, but even now I'm still trying to find myself. When you go from doing something you love for so long and you lose it overnight, it's a shock. Even though I knew it was the right decision, those next couple days there was a lot of back and forth with my family, my agent, with the Nets, and they definitely supported me either way. And then he was saying, um, I couldn't figure out what was going on, said Aldridge. And later that night, I honestly had a scary night. My heart was beating different or as weird as it has ever been before. I never experienced how slow, fast, it was just crazy how it was going that night. I wanted to wait until the morning to get to the doctors to see what was going on. So the guy... He just sounds like he's in a tough spot right now, and it's just—I hope he gets some sort of job somewhere.
2: For real. Yeah, that's—I mean—that just sounds sad overall. Yeah. So uh, hashtag okay. give
0: LA a job. I uh, oh, Paul George Paul <laughs> missed another free throw. I
1: was say pandemic so, P with the line. Sorry. So what's what's the uh, so last game before we before we wrap this up?
2: We got seven seconds left, so we might as well at this point just stick on the line. Steve, Steve Ballmer's know. over there, all depressed.
0: <laughs> he's throwing a hissy fit on the sideline
2: Head in his hands, looking like me when the Nets lost last
0: weekend Because it's, it's setting in Damn, I just gave this dude $200 million And Kawhi could leave him for agency I'm stuck with him <laughs> It's going to be the Jazz all over again So
1: The Jazz are going to be stuck with Rudy Gobert And Donovan Mitchell is going to leave them
0: in a couple oh, years a couple.
1: And, then, and then, now the, the Clippers He's getting traded to the mix Next year And now the Clippers are going to be paying uh, Paul George and, and Marcus Morris $50 million a year as they watch Kawhi Leonard go uh, leave them as well. Listen, so, listen my dream yeah, Kawhi, was for the Kawhi Clippers losing.
0: The- oh, hey, he, he might. It wouldn't shock me. They're probably the working signs, the phones mate. right we're
2: now. giving them Kyrie, and we're getting back.
0: Uh, <laughs> getting, back
1: getting back Kawhi. I hate Nets fans.
0: Listen, my dream was for the Clippers to lose in the first round, and Miami go get Kawhi Leonard. You, I feel like, yo, I feel like, I honestly feel like with the, the amount of the time Kawhi subjects,
1: cuts off, he would never work with Jimmy Butler. I swear every day on Twitter, I'm seeing a new rumor. The Heat are going to trade for this guy. Heat interested in this guy. Heat interested. Like, Pat Riley does not take any time off. That was, okay, I'm going to cut
2: you off for a minute. That was a smart play. I know, Anthony, you're not watching the game, right? Nope. They just tried, oh. to, I think it was, was, it Cousins at the line?
0: Yeah, um, I just seen it.
2: Just tried to throw it off the backboard so that he can catch an alley to himself? You can't do that, can't. though, can you? Yeah, you, you got, got, got to hit the rim. rim. Well, He tried He tried it. It didn't, it didn't matter anyway. They didn't, he couldn't, he's they, so uh, bad, he couldn't even miss right. The Suns Suns intercepted it. It it hurts my soul to watch him play basketball. The Suns are
1: up two and got the ball back, and they just fouled Paul. I remember when a certain somebody wanted the Celtics to trade Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for DeMarcus Cousins. Thank God that didn't happen. That might have been me. No, it was not you. It was uh, an unnamed person in the NBA
0: group. Whew, Thank right. God, I thought it was me. Because <laughs> I hated Jalen Brown, and I was number one member of the Boogie Fan Club. So I, that might have been me.
1: I mean, you might have said it too,
0: but uh, I, I don't remember you. The, I might have liked the comment or two. That could have been me.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, it's time to go back. Back in the old group.
0: Uh, uh, but I think that's a, oh, that's a, a foul. good
1: time. The game's over or what?
2: Nope. No, it's still Lord.
1: It just oh, fouled Chris Paul.
2: Three-point three point lead. Chris Paul's got another shot. Let's see. It's oh, over. Well,
1: right now it's three points. So if he what was what was the other game with the last uh, nine seconds or whatever it was
0: took thirty minutes. It was them. Oh my god! Bro, this I, had, has been... I had I'll work see. the next morning. The last minute and a half took thirty-three minutes. I literally, <laughs> I'm literally laying here waiting for this game to end so I can go to bed.
2: He, oh, he, oh shit! He missed the. Uh, he missed the second one. It's a three-point game with three-point two left.
0: Oh, and they so called. We gotta out, right? stay
2: on at this point. We gotta stay on.
0: We'll right. the I
2: don't even care about these teams, and I'm now invested in this game.
1: <laughs> you are now a big Suns fan? I am now a huge Suns fan. I've been a Suns fan since Suns in 4. <laughs> Suns in 4. I think that's everybody's. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get one of those shirts and wear it on July 4. Um, that that guy who got the the Suns in 4 done
2: to him, him trying to explain it away, it, oh, was it the was most so embarrassing bad. thing in the world. <laughs>
1: You could tell he still had a concussion because he was just picking oh, up as he went. Oh.
2: Yeah,
0: oh, so so to... smart play though. Oh, so he's got to make the first one and miss the second one.
2: You would think three seconds left.
0: Oh, you better off leaving Reggie Jackson on the line. Cousins can't jump. Hmm? He needs to retire. He needs to go to big three. DeMarcus Cousins. He's got okay. knee braces with speedometers on them. Dog. Go <laughs> nah. He's got to go to Boston to be their sixth center. Oh, oh Lord! Listen, I said what I had to say about Boston. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know
2: the. Vision. Oh, at least he. I was saying, at least he got the shot right. But yeah.
0: Yeah. God, I, I <laughs>
2: so, love. I love oh, there Chris we go. Paul so much. Chris
0: Paul. Uh, lost his shoe. Uh, Chris oh, Paul boy, is, is playing with one shoe.
1: He pulled the oh, that's out. why he's
0: limping. I thought he got hurt. I'm like, why is he limping again?
1: Nah, he lost. He lost his shoe. Um <laughs> I still can't believe that happened to Zion. That was completely off topic. What happened? When Zion literally blew through his shoe. I was, oh,
0: watching, he's a the beast. When, I was watching the game yeah. when that happened. That was Kyle the Kyle Pitsil- Obama
1: was at, right? The Kyle Pitsil- I think so. Yeah, I remember watching that game.
0: It was like Duke North Duke, Duke North Carolina, right?
1: I think so. I thought, I thought so. It was like a super hyped game. I think it was like they said the ratings for that game were like higher than any NBA game or something. And then he literally I think that photographer from the Raptors game is there, maybe. Which photographer?
2: Uh, Everybody remember the photographer in the hallway of the Raptors game?
1: That that
2: photographer. That photographer? I'm pretty pretty sure that photographer's there. I think I see that photographer.
0: (laughs) Oh Oh my god.
2: For strictly research
0: purposes. Yeah, exactly. Big
2: big fan of her work.
0: (laughs) Damn good research. Damn good. (laughs) Oh my god. That Definitely this appears. Damn! To be... Game over yet? Uh,
2: as soon as Chris Paul makes the free throw. Game over. Four
0: yeah, now it's over. Suns are yeah, four-point four game with him. Yeah, it's over. so yeah, the Suns are taking this. we'll get the news tomorrow. Kawhi is a torn ACL. Yeah, yeah, that—that—that's what I was just saying earlier. First <laughs> thing in the, you know, the morning. Series over.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, they, they were trying to string him on, but that's, that's no. Not I him. agree Everybody with knows. Nobody has a spring ACL. You tore your ACL. It's over. Just <laughs> say it. Mm-hmm. I think like that's done in the NFL all the time
1: Especially by like, a team like the Patriots They'll just make everybody questionable And
0: then it's just like game time Like oh they're all playing Okay surprise surprise CP stop just, hugging stop. people This is how we got COVID before Go home <laughs> Leave <laughs> these people alone mm-hmm.
1: Alrighty so uh, on that note Suns are winning in five Suns in five a new uh, shirt that's coming out And uh, well, I already got my off, Booker shirt I want to thank Takeoff for joining us, even though it was a little later than we wanted. Green I'll be room, back. Uh, Green Room dropped the ball on this one, but hopefully we'll, we'll was, fix they it. They were next scared time. I was
0: going to get you guys cast. Green Room, yeah. too. I know how have
1: <laughs> to get...
2: Green Room's got to get their stuff together. They had to wait till after 11:30 to put them on in the,
1: in the special night hour. <laughs> the it censorship gets loosened. It's, it's like HBO Zone.
0: Anyway, <laughs> yeah, <you> remember <laughs> that back
1: in the day. <clears throat> Don't put it yeah. on after 11 o'clock. Just
2: unbuckle your pants and listen to Takeoff <laughs> on D-Blitz. Oh my Please don't gosh. unbuckle your pants.
0: It's not that oh,
2: kind yep, of show. We're good. talking
0: about sports. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and,
0: and probably some all food, right. but keep your pants on. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone, for listening,
1: whether it was live or, or recorded and, and you're listening back on whatever platform. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Follow all of us on Twitter. And where can I find you on Twitter?
0: I don't even really be on Twitter, but you can follow me on Instagram. Take underscore off, underscore McFadden, and uh, listen to Takeoff Tuesdays on Facebook Live. Correct? You heard
1: the man. All right. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.
2: Bye.
0: Later, y'all.